Well, thank you for that wonderful introduction. Part of it was not true. I'm not a CIA agent, but you might have figured that out. So I um, just want to say thank you for inviting me. It's been a while since I got to speak at university. And Brian, um, where are you, Brian Browning? Brian told me he's coming tonight only because he's never heard me speak, and he's been here for six years. <laughs> I am, that is me, obviously, up there. That is Marty and I with our um, two wonderful, amazing, precious grandchildren. And I just wanted you to see how adorable they are. So they're so cute. Sullivan, our granddaughter, is two and a half. And for that picture, her mom and dad literally said, if you smile for the picture, we'll give you some candy out of your Halloween bucket. <laughs> so she gave us one smile. And then little baby Grant smiles all the time, but in this picture, he did not. So there they are. Well, I just wanted to do a little kind of intro about myself. I don't think you know as much about me as you know about Marty. And so I thought I'd just, for those of you who don't know anything, I'd go back a little ways. Well, actually kind of a long ways, but. Um, so Marty and I met when I was a brand new freshman. I was at the University of Richmond. He was at VCU, and we go were um, doing Young Life together. Who knows Young Life? Yes, Young Life, we were being Young Life leaders. We met there and loved Young Life, and we were hanging out, going to Young Life leadership stuff all through that fall. And then around January of my freshman year, I don't know, we kind of like had a little spark, a little like, <laughs> and I thought, oh, he's so funny. He makes me laugh all the time. He's so funny. He's so cute. Next so, <laughs> thing I knew, we were going out, and that was January of my freshman year, and we dated the entire rest of the four years, and a couple more years after that. But. Meanwhile, we did a lot of young life together all through the college years. And we did study, like I did go to class. <laughs> I majored in English at the University of Richmond and I got a teaching degree for seventh through twelfth grade. And so when I graduated, we um, were still dating, obviously. And I got a teaching job in Richmond, and a little while after that, Marty got a job going on young life staff full time, which is what he was dreaming of doing that we really wanted to happen. And so once we knew all those things were in place, you know, we were employed, then we got engaged and we got married in December of 1978, which means we're coming up on 39 years on December 23rd. So it was kind of exciting. That was great. And uh, the next few years were really fun. I was teaching, he was doing my life. We just did a lot of stuff that with kids. It was really fun. Then, about three years after we were married, we heard that Young Life was looking for people to go to Germany to do Young Life ministry with American high school kids whose parents were stationed over in Germany. And we thought, what could be more fun than that? So we applied, and next thing we knew, we were flying off to Heidelberg, Germany Woo! to start Young Life at Heidelberg High School which is um, where all the American kids were. So that was really fun. We were in Germany for four years, and we do have to say those were our golden years. Okay, we didn't have any kids. <laughs> we had so much fun. We traveled, and we just happened to be there when the dollar was really, really strong. Mm -hmm. And so we would go out to dinner at this wonderful German restaurant, have this huge meal, and would come to about seven dollars <laughs> so it was really fun so we traveled and 
the, my kids would say, we'd say, let's go skiing over Christmas and let's go to Switzerland for our young life trip. And we would do that, and then spring break, we'd say, let's go to Greece for spring break. Wouldn't that be fun? And we'd all go to Greece. So we had a really, really fun time for four years. Well, then, lo and behold, um, our oldest son, Trip, was born in 1984, the last year we were there. And um, now keep in mind, we dated for six years, and now we've been married for almost five years. So we've had 11 years of no other people in our relationship. <laughs> so we have this baby, and he's wonderful and fun, but he kind of interrupts some of our lifestyle. <laughs> so, so anyway, it's a little bit of adjustment. Anyway, we move. At that point, we decide to, um, it's time to come back to the States, and we end up here in 1985. We come to William & Mary. Marty goes on InterVarsity staff. And we come, and it's so fun. And we meet lots of students, one of which was Connor's dad. Connor's dad was here when we came. And we met him, and it was great. So now um, we settle in. We fall in love with William & Mary. We fall in love with William & Mary students. We fall in love with everything about Williamsburg. It's great. So here we are. A couple years later, our other son, Bobby, was born. And so now starts about 10 years that I kind of don't remember very well. <laughs> kind of the child rearing years, a little bit dark in there. <laughs> I remember much. Someone said to me once um, in those times that the years go by fast, but the days take forever. Mm. I want to tell you that's true. Okay, just keep that in mind when you have your own little precious <laughs> So, meanwhile, Marty's doing university, and I'm trying to come to large group on Friday nights, and we're always looking for babysitters because every time we want to do something with ministry and I want to be involved, we have to have a babysitter. So, I'm begging strangers off the street to come babysit and whatever. So, we managed to do it all. And then, about I guess it was after those 10 years. I went back to work part-time, I went back to the school system, and then for the next 10 years, I worked in a couple different schools, doing administration, uh, development, and things like that. So anyway, that was that. And then seven years ago, we decide to come back, working more together in ministry, and I leave the school jobs, and I get a little part-time job, and then Marty and I have more time to, look, be with you guys. So it's, that's kind of the background. Oh, and meanwhile in there, our boys went to college, they got jobs, they got married, and they had babies, just one of them. The other one is not married. <laughs> so that brings us up to today. <laughs> so we are going to talk about rest. And is it kind of, am I moving in or out of my phone? I'll try to stand still. All right, I have a question for you. Raise your hand if right now, you are currently tired and or stressed out. Okay, I'd say that's the majority. Raise your hand if you're not. So for those of you who are feeling tired and or stressed out, raise your hand if you think that's how God wants you to be feeling. <laughs> so I think we can agree that God probably does not really look super favorably on that condition in your life. But we're going to talk about how we can maybe do some things about that. 
So let's talk about God's perspective on rest. First of all, I am always struck by the account of creation. Okay, in Genesis, when it says God made everything in six days and then he rested. rested. Okay, so that's Genesis 2, 1 through 3. We got our slide up there, Sabrina. All right, let's read it together. The heavens the the and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Okay, so if the God of the universe, who created everything and expended a lot of energy, I would think, godly creative energy, and then he had to rest, why do we think that we don't need to rest? Like, we just don't. And we don't think, I mean, we just think we don't need to rest when obviously God wants us to rest. He made the Sabbath a day of rest and he commanded that we rest, but yet, we run, 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 and then we're tired and we're exhausted and we're stressed out. So let's let's look at what um, rest kind of looks like apart from just sleeping. <laughs> so I don't know about you, but sometimes I really need to just change my scenery and kind of get out and refresh. And I felt that way last Saturday. So I said I, to myself, I don't know if I told you this. I just said to myself, I said, um, I'm going to go for a little brisk walk. Sometimes I jog a little bit along with my brisk walk. I'm going to go down to Colonial Williamsburg. It's so beautiful. So I parked my car um, in front of Matthew Whaley, you know, the elementary school, Matthew Whaley, you know where that is. And I started walking down that path, you know, the path that goes kind of in front of Matthew Bailey, and it kind of walks, um, takes you past the gardens of the palace and everything. And it was so beautiful, and I kept walking, and then I tried to jog a little bit, and I walked a little bit, and it was so beautiful. There was nobody there except for the Colonial Williamsburg workers <laughs> who were coming in their, you know, attire, or what do you call it, a costume? Garb. Authentic clothing, what is it? <laughs> I call it garb. Oh, they're garb. <laughs> <laughs> so they're coming to work. But guess what? They're not rushing to work. I want to tell you, those people, they're like sauntering into their jobs. They got all those clothes on. I passed this one guy. I'm not exaggerating. He had a stick. He's a colonial Williamsburg worker. He had a stick on his shoulder, and on the back of the stick was a muslin bag. Like that was his bag to carry to work. And it was full. And I thought to myself, what is in that bag? Is that food? Is it his cell phone? Like, what's in that bag? But anyway, he was very authentic looking. And they were just going to work, and then all the animals were eating their morning hay, you know, the cows and the sheep and everybody. It was all very beautiful. So it was just so peaceful, and I was just walking, walking, walking. And then on my way back, when I'm walking back on the path, I start to think about the 23rd Psalm. And I think about, you know, how beautiful, how, you know, Jesus is our good shepherd and all that. And all of a sudden, I come across and take a picture of 
My first picture, Sabrina, is this beautiful pasture. Now, do you know what this is? Does anybody recognize this? Mm -hmm. This is like right in your backyard, practically. So this is right as you're standing, like Matthew Willis over here, and you can look over. It usually has sheep in it. You see the little sheep fold in it? And it was this beautiful green pasture. And I just, you know, I just thought that's what Jesus is saying, that he wants us to, you know, walk in green pastures. And, well, he wants us to lie down in green pastures, but we'll come to that. And so it was so beautiful. So I took a picture, and then I turned around and walked another, like, two feet practically. And then I saw this beautiful pond. And that, do you recognize that? That's like right in front of the palace gardens. Isn't this where you jump the wall or whatever it is you guys do? And it's so beautiful. And look how still the water is. And I could just think, it's so peaceful. And the water's not like stirring all around. It was just so beautiful and so reflective. And I just felt so restored and it just reminded me that that's what Jesus wants to do so let's let's look at um, Psalm 23 which is very familiar song I'm sure to you okay let's read it together the, the Lord, Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul Um, so that, it just, if you think about it, what do you need to restore your soul? What is it that you need? Jesus says we need to be in green pastures and to lie in still, beside still waters. But what does that look like in your life? Well, maybe it means that you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to maybe get up a little bit earlier today and I am going to go outside. And first of all, you have to be so excited how close you live to Colonial Williamsburg because you have this beautiful campus, but then you have this beautiful area just beyond your campus in your backyard. And it's so accessible, but you have to make time to do it. You have to say, I'm gonna commit to going and restoring my soul. So I would just say, really think about that. Try to get outside, especially before the leaves fall down, and get outside and just soak in God's handiwork and his creation. And I really, really believe he restores you. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about is actual sleep. Like, sleep, okay? So tell me what you are like when you don't get enough sleep. What are some of the adjectives? Irritable. Sad. <laughs> Loopy, <laughs> drowsy. Does anybody feel antisocial when they're tired? Yeah, <laughs> or maybe people don't want to be around you when they're tired. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When you think about people who are tired, they're crabby. And don't you feel like your brain is kind of fuzzy when you're tired? Like you can't make good decisions, you know, all those. Um, medicines that say do not drive under the influence of this medication that will make you drowsy because like you've lost your ability to have good thoughts or focused. So then how are you when you are well rested? <laughs> what are you? <laughs> so you're 
refreshed. You're refreshed. <laughs> you're able to think. You're focused. You can do things. You're energetic. You feel like doing things. You don't feel like crawling back in your room and going to bed. You feel energetic. Have you ever had anybody look at you and say, oh my gosh, you look so tired. <laughs> it's like an insult. But then you can have someone say, oh, you look so great. And it's usually because you've like, got enough sleep and you feel good about yourself. So it's very visible. So why is it that we have this little semi-competition about how little sleep we got? Does this happen around here? <laughs> I stayed up till 3 a.m. <laughs> it becomes like this badge of honor. And it's so ridiculous. Like we sort of applaud it in a weird way. Like, oh, that's amazing. I actually found myself sort of doing that because we came home from this trip to Texas and we didn't get home until 2.15 in the morning. And the next day at work, I'm like, we didn't get home until 2.15. And at one point I thought, why am I talking about this? <laughs> so it's one of those things, like we think it's like this, you know, big thing. But I think for you guys, it's harder because you have so many opportunities to not get enough sleep. So like if you were working a nine to five job, if you were living at home, whatever, you would probably be getting normal hours of sleep, but because you're in college and you're in a dorm and there's always something going on, and there's always a paper you have to write or something you have to study or a project that you have to do that you have put off because you have procrastinated that weighs on you and you don't sleep. Raise your hand if you have not slept because of doing schoolwork. Okay. I have a, I'm going to do a little mini survey. How many people get um, at least eight hours of sleep a night? Okay, Tried really hard to break the frantic cycle. 
What if you and your roommate agree that you want to try to have better habits? And one of you is staying up really late. What if the other one says, wait, aren't we trying to get more sleep? Let's try. Let's hold each other accountable. Or are we trying to be more refreshed? Let's go out for a walk or have a coffee or do something that will refresh our souls. Let's make space in our room to have time with the Lord, to pray, to have a Bible study. But you have to kind of say it out loud, and you have to kind of agree on it with each other. Otherwise, you're both running like little hamsters on the wheel. So I would just say tonight, there's no social after tonight, right? Which I don't think was a plan, was it, PB? Was that a plan to have no social after the talk on rest? Or was it a coincidence? We'll go with plan. It was a Well, I'm happy that you don't have anything you have to do after large group because I would encourage you to take the time to maybe find some time to do some restorative work in your soul. If you need to study, start now. Don't wait till 2 a.m. And go to bed at a decent time and feel refreshed in the morning. And people might be really excited to be with you then. <laughs> so, it's not easy, and we choose to be distracted, and we choose to be doing other things. And I think it's really hard for you guys to today, because you can talk to someone at 3 a.m. or text someone at 4 a.m. and be totally accessible 24-7, which we never had to think about that. I couldn't call Marty at 3 a.m. His mom would hear the phone ring. So, right. So, I just think that it's, you have a lot more challenges. So, you just need to be more vigilant about it. So, just ask the Lord to show you where you need to be restored and ask Him to help you rest. So, let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that you want us to rest, and I thank you that you yourself rested on the seventh day. Lord, I just ask that um, you would call us to lie down in green pastures and to walk beside still waters. But mostly, Lord, I just ask that you would call us to be still before you and that we would um, sense how very much you want to be with us and that you want to refresh us. Let me ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.